Welcome to Art of the Kickstart, your source for crowdfunding campaign success. I'm your host, Roy Morjan, president of Command Partners, the top crowdfunding marketing agency in the world. Each week, I interview a crowdfunding success story, an inspirational entrepreneur, or a business expert in order to help you take your startup to the next level with crowdfunding. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome to another edition of Art of the Kickstart. Today, I'm honored to be joined by Ben Yellian with Maison Impeccable. Ben, thank you for joining us. Really great to be here. So Ben, you've got this awesome Kickstarter campaign, The Stealth Socks. Tell us what it's all about. Sure. So where to begin? Well, The Stealth Sock is basically about as good as you can, can make socks. So we took every problem you could conceivably have with such a simple garment and over-engineered them. So... The core of it is really we have two unique fibers. One is bacteriostatic silver and one is activated carbon. So what they do is they fight odor through two different mechanisms. So one of them, um, the silver prevents the growth of microbes that cause odor. And then the carbon kind of sucks away anything else, if you can imagine charcoal, and it helps to wick moisture. So we paired those with a number of you know, construction features that help with breathability, help with durability, like cushioning or, you know, added nylon reinforcement. And so in the end, you have a super stylish sock. It never smells. Uh, it's super durable, super comfortable, never falls. It's pretty much everything you'd ask for. This sounds amazing, Ben. Is it too good to be true? I mean, you know, wh- where did this all start? Sure. So we hear that question a lot. So my background is in consulting. So I used to do a lot of business travel. So I was living out of a suitcase, running through airports, working, you know, 80 hour weeks. Uh, and what I quickly came to realize through all that was the clothes that we normally wear for, for work especially aren't, aren't really great. They're not breathable. They're not comfortable. They tend to pick up smells. It's just they've kind of gotten left behind because, you know, we've had so much technological change in the past few years. But the clothes that we wear are pretty much the same as they've been for decades. Uh, and so we thought we could change all that. There have been a number of other players who have made you know, similar pro- products bringing in new fabrics to the market. And we've, we've tried a lot and those have been great, but we always had some things that weren't quite right. We always had ideas for how we could change something or how we could make it better. And so instead of sitting on the sidelines and waiting for, you know, other companies to figure out what we wanted, we decided to take the plunge and do it ourselves. So when you say do it yourselves, tell, tell us the backstory in terms of, you know, who you started the company with and any, any historical references you wish to give. Sure. So my co-founder, uh, his name's Kevin Shee. He's a medical student at Northwestern University. We were friends from high school originally. Uh, and so we were always interested in fashion and streetwear and style. And, you know, so we, we kind of got into chatting about the trend to bring in performance uh, fabrics and features out of the gym and into what you could perhaps wear to the office. Um, as a medical student, he had the same issue. He was running around between clinics and hospitals and classes. And so and he got that as well, needing to be dressed pretty formally. So we kind of came together, joined forces, and started researching. We you know, visited factories in different countries, tried pretty much every product under the sun, figured out what worked, what didn't, what we wanted, and what we felt was most important. And so that was, it all started back in early 2015. And you know, we first got prototypes going, I want to say middle of the year 2015. Uh, and since then, we've been rolling, developing making sure we have all the logistics and infrastructure in place so that we're able to deliver, you know, on-time high-quality products to our backers. And we've been going with that ever since. And here we are, end of April, just about ready to finish up our project. 
So disclaimer to the audience, uh, Ben has hired our agency command partners to, to work with him pre-campaign and now during the active campaign. Um, you know, Ben, we've reached six figures on the campaign now. We're over a thousand percent funded, you know, over our goal. You know, kind of tell some of the, the backstory in terms of what, what work it took to get to this point. Sure. So, you know, crowdfunding is a lot of work. I'm sure you and your listeners are well aware of. And it's a little bit more complicated than, than it might seem up front. So starting back many months ago, we'd kind of built a landing page, started collecting um, emails for a mailing list, uh, and started testing a little bit of, of copy, a little bit of you know, branding at that point. But when it comes to really driving success in a Kickstarter campaign, there's just so many different parts that go into it. You know, the mailing list and having a strong start is obviously really important. The first few days, building momentum, being able to hit your goal fast and or at least progress on it very quickly and raise a lot of funds early on is important. That momentum really carries through, especially with Kickstarter and how they choose to display projects and what's trending and what's not. So that's really important. You know, Facebook advertising or advertising in general has become a really big part of Kickstarter campaigns and just driving both the raw traffic in terms of page views, as well as finding new backers who might not have found you otherwise. One of the big elements of Kickstarter is the more page views and the more uh, backers that you have per day, the better you're displayed on Kickstarter's own website, which um, allows you to get a lot of organic traffic. And so advertisement has been a huge part of this for us. Um, and I think it's kind of become almost necessary for most successful campaigns these days. Uh, PR is obviously also a really big component, being able to you know, reach out to a lot of uh, influencers and media at places that your prospective backers would be, would be reading. Being able to get in front of those eyes is, is always huge because you know, as big as Kickstarter has grown the past few years, there are so many people who don't really know what it is and wouldn't be able to find your campaign otherwise. And then beyond that, there's just lots of various things that you need to do. So we've, we've run cross promotions with other campaigns. We've posted in forums and, you know, obviously really reached out to our own network of friends and their friends. And so there's, there's just always things to be done. And that's kind of what makes it such a, such an adventure, I guess. Absolutely. And Ben, we're, we're glad to be taking the adventure with you. Tell us about why and how you decided crowdfunding was the right way to launch the product. Sure. So crowdfunding, I think it definitely has a lot of pros and cons. For a pro though, Kickstarter as a platform is hugely valuable in the sense that there are many people who, you know, Kickstarter is inherently a community of people who are interested in new products and seeing things first and seeing advancements and things that are kind of pushing the envelope. Uh, and that's obviously, or at least for us, it was really an audience that we connected with. It was one that we were ourselves a part of. You know, before this campaign, I backed you know a dozen campaigns myself, and so I knew what it was what it was about. And there's just really a strong sense of community here, people who support these these ideas. And so that was tremendously important. I think the other one, especially for us as a as a product based company, it really makes a lot of sense in that you know, so we sell socks and. What Kickstarter allows us to do is, is take a large number of pre-orders. And so basically confirm that we have support, that people are interested in our product. It allows us to test the hypothesis that what we're doing, what we're making, what, are, what we're branding as, it really makes sense and people like it in the market. And then beyond that, it allows us to be confident enough to make a large purchase uh, of product from our manufacturers. 
because with the product space, you know, most companies who manufacture have pretty high MOQs or minimum order quantities. So in our case, we would have to be buying, you know, thousands of socks to make sense from a, from a cost perspective. And while maybe we could have done that from the get go, what we would have ended up with would be, you know, thousands of socks sitting in a warehouse or sitting in my apartment. And I'm, you know, fulfilling them one by one as people, you know, make orders. And that's both a lot of risk as an entrepreneur because you have to sit on this, all this inventory and have all your capital locked up there. And at the same time, you just wouldn't really know whether things are making sense or you wouldn't know what products are selling well until you've already made that purchase. And I think one of the big beauties of Kickstarter is you're able to, you know, get those backers, you're able to get those uh, pre-orders, so to speak, um, in place and know that you have a good audience before uh, you even really begin the manufacturing. That's not to say that we didn't put tons of legwork in, tons of investment in before we even got to the Kickstarter stage. That's obviously super important. But crowdfunding really allows you to test the waters and make it kind of reduces some of the risk of the entrepreneurial process. I agree. Have you uh, encountered any surprises along the way or feedback that you didn't expect from backers? You know, a little bit. So I think we've been really impressed with the community of backers. We've gotten a lot of support, a lot of interest. Um, we've gotten a lot, we've gotten a lot of requests. So I think it's very good to have a, a vocal backer community. And in our case, you know, backers were really interested. They had their own ideas about what patterns we should be using or, you know, new designs that we should be using. And so we've really listened to that feedback and that's kind of shaped our own direction. Um, one of the ideas that we had originally and kind of shelved was to create, you know, more low cut or running, running style socks or, you know, low cut, uh, no-show socks for, for summer or for wearing boat shoes, shorts, that kind of thing. We kind of put that off a little bit. And as soon as our campaign had gone live, we just got a huge torrent of feedback. Lots of people were requesting exactly that. And, you know, that kind of lit a fire under us. We're like, oh, you know, people really need, like, you know, really want this. Um, let's get it going. And so we've been really happy that we've been able to get that kind of feedback from our backers and be able to respond immediately and kind of get things going and make sense, uh, sorry, make new products that kind of fit their needs. Absolutely. So uh, what do you guys plan on doing next for the Maison Impeccable brand? Sure. So that's a, uh, that's a big question for us. So we always never like to say we're a sock company. We see ourselves more as a clothing company that simply started with socks. Um, socks are important because we had a very clear idea of what we could improve, what we wanted to improve, uh, as well as the fact that they're relatively less expensive to create samples of and to bring to market. Our real move is we want to really, you know, stretch our legs and kind of grow as a clothing company. And so in that sense, I think we're, you know, we started from the ground up with, with socks at your feet and our next move is really going to be in pants and slacks. From there, you know, we can transition to shorts. We want to build out, you know, the full business style, you know, even business casual wardrobe. And at the same time, we've also gotten a lot of requests from women because while there are a few brands that have been bringing, you know, performance features into office wear for men, women have kind of been a little bit neglected in that sense. And we have, you know, a lot of friends that have been really, really interested, a lot of backers that have been really interested. And I think that's another direction that we're definitely looking at uh, as well. Sounds like an untapped market there, Ben. Definitely excited about the future and obviously working with you guys. Um, that gets us into our launch round where I rapid fire questions at you. Are you ready? I guess so. 
<laughs> Let's do this. So what inspired you to kind of quit your day job and become an entrepreneur? So I think for that, you know, I, I, I had a great job. I was a consultant. Um, it was a great experience. At the same time, I think after a little while, I, you know, I, I went into it knowing that I'd wanted to be an entrepreneur. I, I knew for a fact that I wanted to do something for myself. And when the opportunity kind of presented itself to, to leave the corporate world, I took it and I didn't look back. Killer. Uh, if you could have a beer or dinner with any entrepreneur throughout history, who would it be? Oof. That would be, that's a good question. Um, you know, I would say probably the, the co-founders of, of Warby Parker. I think, you know, beyond having the, the social entrepreneurial angle, they've always kind of had a good finger on the pulse of retail and e-commerce and how that's really been changing rapidly over the past few years. They took a gamble with what a lot of people thought was a really risky business model. And they've made it work and they've made it work spectacularly. So I think they have a lot of great insights. You know, I'm hugely a retail and e-commerce kind of like nerd, I guess, myself. And I think we could have some pretty good chats. All right. So you're sitting at dinner with the four founders of Warby Parker. What would be the first question you ask them? Ooh, first question would probably be, oh, you know, the, the classic question that I, that, you know, I always like is, what do you wish you knew when you started that you know now? Um, I think that's always a great question for, you know, looking back on, on any experience. And I think it's particularly valuable for entrepreneurs because entrepreneurship is something where, you know, you can read all the books you want, but you never really know how things go until you kind of jump, jump in. And I'm sure they've got a lot of lessons they've learned along the way. I'm sure they have. Uh, what's your favorite business book or life book that you would recommend to our listeners? Ooh, business or life book. So there's a controversial one that I'm sure that gets kind of called out a lot. And that would probably be the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss, by Timothy Ferriss. So I think it's a great book in the sense that it has a lot of valuable suggestions just in terms of I, I like the idea of always working to optimize your own work in your own time. You know, the exact methods that, you know, are represented in the book and some of the ideas might not be for everybody. They might not always make the most sense in every situation. But I think fundamentally the idea of thinking about everything you do as something that can be optimized and, you know, has to be tested and the idea that whatever you're doing, if it's not really working or if it's really painful, just find ways to find any way possible to fix it. I think it's a good mentality to have and one that's really important, especially in the current age of entrepreneurship. Got it. Yeah, no, I'm a big fan of Tim. I uh, had a few conversations with him in the past. He's got killer work and I think, you know, it works for, for quite a few people. In terms of where do you see yourself in five years? So where do we see, where do I see myself in five years? I think you know, fingers crossed, we're able to transition the momentum from Kickstarter, from the Stealth Socks campaign, and kind of really grow to be able to see our creative vision through with Maison Impeccable. You know, I'd really like to see ourselves grow to become, you know, obviously a much larger company with a full product line and one that can really stand on its own and, you know, that has its own follower base and, and base of, of customers. Because at the end of the day, you know, all commerce, e-commerce, retail, it's all about the customer and having people who 
you know, you understand, who understand you and like what it is that you're doing. And I think we're just starting with, you know, a, you know, the stealth stocks and, you know, our, our Kickstarter campaign. What I'd really like to grow and see ourselves in five years is, you know, having that community built of, of people that we're able to work with and who, who love our product and love our brand. That's, that's really what I, I want to strive for. You know, it, it's not really about sales or profits or anything like that. At the end of the day, what's really biggest for me is that community and that relationship with, uh, with our customers. Absolutely. No, that's definitely what it's all about with crowdfunding, you know, actually tapping in, taking their feedback and embracing them. Final question on the launch route, Ben, you, you're doing awesome. What does the future of crowdfunding look like in your eyes? Uh, that's a, that's a difficult question. So I think the future of crowdfunding, it's, well, it's bright, but it's changing. The way that I would put it is crowdfunding has gotten a lot more competitive these days. It's very, very different from perhaps what it was just a few years back when, you know, you could just kind of do something yourself, shoot a video on a cell phone, put it up and, you know, make a million dollars. Things have changed. The game has changed. There's a lot of, you know, companies and industries just built around crowdfunding itself. And it's, I think, become more and more necessary to pick good partners and work closely with them, understand the, you know, all the details and the raw process for how everything gets done in the crowdfunding world. On one hand, I think that's a little bit unfortunate because it's perhaps a little bit harder to succeed as a truly small and a small company and individual than it, than it used to be. But I think at the same time, it's grown to the point that it's also allowed um, people to reach, you know, such a huge audience and a large number of people that they really wouldn't have been able to, to find otherwise. So I think, you know, it's becoming more structured. It's growing. It's become more competitive. But at the same time, I think the rewards to it have, have grown as well. Uh, well said, Ben. And uh, that ends the launch round. You've made it. You survived. Uh, just to finish up here, uh, give us your pitch. Give the audience, you know, kind of tell them what they're all about, what you're all about, where people should go, and why they should back the Maison Impeccable Stealth Socks. Sure. So, with the Stealth Socks, you know, as I said in the beginning, we really spent, you know, over a full year looking at every single element of of socks. And, you know, there's something that people don't really give a lot of thought to unless something goes wrong. They smell funny. They feel kind of gross. They're falling down all the time. You know, I think a really well-designed product is one that you never have to think about unless you want to, unless you, you're admiring how great it is. And that's really what kind of drove us to design the Stealth Sock and make it, you know, I have a biased opinion, but as perfect as it is. You know, never smells, breathes well, dries quickly, highly durable, lasts forever. We haven't been able to put a hole in them. We have them tested, you know, in the office with, you know, investment bankers working hundreds of hours a week. We have them, you know, boots on the ground with, you know, local law enforcement. We even have, you know, Olympic, you know, I don't want to say his name, but an Olympic athlete um, who's kind of been putting them through the paces at the gym. They're pretty much the best socks you can ever imagine. You know, at this point, they make everything else in your top drawer kind of obsolete. So that's the stealth socks in a nutshell, you know, packed with technology. We spent a ton of time designing them, but you can find them live on Kickstarter. Awesome. Ben, you've been great. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Remember to visit artofthekickstart.com for more show notes, links to what we've talked about today, and a full transcript. 
Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Art of the Kickstart, the show about building a better business, world, and life with crowdfunding. If you've enjoyed today's episode, be sure to visit artofthekickstart.com and share it with your friends. If you need a more hands-on crowdfunding marketing strategy, please visit our website at commandpartners.com and request a quote. Thanks for tuning in. Catch you next time.